Hello and welcome to Case Reopen. I'm your host, Tyler Treese, and joining me as always is the one, the only, the great detective of the Northeast, Colleen. Hey, Tyler. Hey, everyone. How's it going? Well, you guys can't answer me, but Tyler can. How are you, Tyler? I'm doing good. That was a very uh, suave answer, Colleen. Oh, thank you. I was practicing all week. I wasn't. See, once again, you're just lying. Lying to our respected audience. That's true. I don't know if I think it's funny. Like, maybe that's my comedy. But, yeah, you're right. Lying isn't right. I'm gonna, like, from this moment on, I'm gonna try not to lie at all on this episode. We'll see how it goes. You're like that triplet last episode where he just randomly lied about his alibi for no good reason. Oh, please don't compare me to him. He was the worst. (laughs) Because I agree, it was such a dumb move. Why, if you have a perfectly good alibi, why make one up? Well, why would you make one up, Colleen? Well, as a liar myself, it would probably be for the comedy behind it. Although this guy wasn't too Ah. funny. No, he wasn't. Uh, So we're going to cover... Two anime original episodes this time out. We start with episode 73, The Detective Boys Disaster Case. This originally aired on August 25th, 1997. And uh, if you don't remember from last week, Conan's hint is the movement of the tides. The motion of the ocean. The motion of the ocean. We learned from Conan that today is a disaster, Detective Boys. Knowledge, courage, and teamwork. So, it's too bad that Kyle's not here to see his his boys in action. Yeah, it's too bad. And they're, it's going to be a disaster. They're going to be put in some major danger. Although, okay, this, like, opening line made it sound really, um, like it would be a disaster, but watching the episode, I was like, okay, this this isn't so bad. It was almost a disaster. They could have drowned. Yeah, they could have, but... Like, what disaster movie have you seen like that? Usually there's, like, explosions and buildings, like, being infiltrated, things like that. Uh, it was still pretty high high, high stakes and intense. Yeah? You were scared for them? Yeah, I thought they were going to be dead and then what would we do for the rest of the episodes we would just watch kogro do his thing (laughs) it's just each week is him failing to solve any case oh wait that's what we watch every week (laughs) That's, that's true the episode begins with ron and the detective boys at the beach they're all having fun rafting until a boat nearly strikes them uh, but they turn at the last second, and the wave flings them off of the raft. The driver then apologizes for it and says that he was distracted. He then invites everybody onto the boat. We learn that his name is Kasuka, and he's from the Kaska Corporation. He's also accompanied by his girlfriend, Shinobu. After Ron mentions how nice it must be to go on a scuba diving date, he then says, If I wasn't rich... I wonder how much Shinobu would really love me, which uh, is something I can really relate to, because all these women are trying to, to use me for my money, Colleen. I Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. 
Although, is that why you're on the podcast too? To use you for money? Yeah. Yeah. I'm here for the fame and fortune, remember? Oh, damn. That's true. All those listeners around the world? Like... Jeez, it's true, we I... do have a global audience. I already broke my promise. I just told a lie. Darn, this is not going well for me. She then says that it isn't that way, and he says he can handle the truth before laughing it off. Yeah, this whole opening sequence is weird. Like, the guy just automatically put me off. He's laughing at his own jokes that weren't even well, jokes. That's what cool people do. Cool people laugh at their own jokes, Colleen. Okay, th- I'm glad to hear that, because I've... Unless you want to, like, really, like, diss me, because there's countless examples of me laughing at my own jokes on this very podcast. <laughs> no, not at all. It's more of a diss to me, because I always do that. Like, I start laughing before I even finish the joke, thinking I'm so witty, and people are like, oh, yeah, that, that was good. Good job. What not? <laughs> it was really bad. But, yeah, even the guy saying, oh, I was distracted, he was staring right at them in the raft. So, I don't know. He just was not my friend from the very beginning. So you're suspicious about this character. Yeah, you're not? I don't know, he seemed like a cool dude. Seems like a cool dude. Well, you, you, do, you did say that you relate to him from like the standpoint of how women use him for his money, so. Yep. Yeah. That's all my life, women using me for my, my mass riches and fame. Poor you. We then learn that Kogoro is somewhere fishing at a secret spot, but it isn't by the sea. Uh, of course... It cuts to him, and it's a totally off-limits little location. It's just this <laughs> little cove. And he's up to no good. I think the best part of that was that his friends... I don't know if he mentioned this now or later, but Cobra's like, my friends told me about this really great fishing spot, but he was the only one there. <laughs> so I'm like, where are all his friends? Oh, they're fishing by the actual sea rather than the secret spot that's off-limits. Does Kogoro actually have friends? We never see him hanging out with people. It's a good question. He has, like, he pays for hostess entertainment. Is that a way to say it? That's true, yeah. Yeah. So, I guess Megare's his friend. Is he not? I feel like they're work acquaintances. I feel like Megare would not say he's a friend of Kogoro. Well, there's also that one guy that went to jail, his uh, yeah, superior. That's true. I guess that and all of his college buddies, most of which have also got, are either dead or in jail. He has really bad yeah. luck with friends. Oh well, and then there's that one guy who um, puts together models and hangs them yeah, up that on the ceiling. Yeah, they're either dead in jail or an absolute nerd. We all know <laughs> which one's the worst out of those three. We do know. I'm not going to say it, though. Ron is surprised that Shinobu has left already, but Kasuka says that it happens often. Kogoro then arrives with a bunch of fish, but refuses to tell anybody where his spot is. The kids then go off to play with a beach ball, and Conan notices that Kogoro caught a parrotfish. He wonders in his head, how can you get a saltwater fish in a fishing spot that's not by the sea? Hmm. What could he possibly be doing? 
Kanto then finds a message in a bottle and brings it to Conan's attention. He retrieves it and they find a paper that says SOS Shinobu. Kasuka then starts to laugh and says that she does this very often. Kagura, who's now drunk because of course he is, <laughs> um, he mentions that it's nearing high tide and Ron tells nobody to enter the water. Conan notes that the paper isn't too crisp, so it means that Shinobu must be nearby. They then tell Ron not to let Kasuka out of her sights, and he then volunteers to go fishing with Kogoro. And then what does Ron immediately do here, after being told not to let him out of her sights? Hmm, she lets them out of her sight? (laughs) Yes, exactly. She had one job. One job, Ron. It was so easy. You just had to watch the dude, and then immediately, like, two seconds later, you just let him leave. Jeez, Ron. I mean, she makes up for it in the end, I think, but yeah, this was not a good move on her part. Although, um, this, uh, this, uh, scenario of him, like, following Kogoro is funny, because it's, like, immediately he finds out he's the famous detective Mori Kogoro, and he's like, okay, I need to follow this guy around now. Not for an autograph or anything. Wouldn't you want to follow a cool guy like Kogoro? I'd like to follow a cool detective. It doesn't necessarily need to be Kogoro. Hmm. Like, I'd follow around uh, Teenage Shinichi. Or Heiji. Are those detectives? What about the great detective of the East? Justin. Uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what to say. You don't seem very enthused about following him around. (laughs) I, th- I guess I was just put off because I thought the great detective of the East was, uh, which one was it now? Was it Heiji? I think he's the West. The... Right? Or is he the East? Wait. I don't know. Okay, Where's cause... Kyoto? <laughs> Geography. Uh, let's see. Kyoto, let me check the map. <laughs> uh... I don't know. It's kind of... Neither of them seem particularly... <laughs> this isn't helping. This map's not helping. Alright. Let's figure this out. I think we could do it. Heiji Hattori. Detective of the East. I'm getting... Oh, dear. He's the detective of the West. So. Which one? Shinichi is the East. Okay. Hattori is the West. So, to answer your question, I would fall around the detective of the East. Justin. Oh, no, Shinichi. (laughs) Justin was what? I was the North, and he was the Northeast, right? Because Shinichi is the East. Hmm. And Heiji's the West. Okay, I buy it. I'll accept that answer. Yeah, what a great answer. (laughs) I don't even know what it was now. (laughs) Uh, the kids then come across an old man and he yells at them for trashing his beach. I like this guy. This guy Me was too. Cool. He was the best new character in this episode. I like angry old men. Grumpy old men. Yeah. That's what I'm like. just glad. I'm glad that I can be a grumpy old man someday. Right. After you're done being the rich guy and have women after you for your money, then you want to be a grumpy old man. Like, 
that seems like the dream life. Yeah, I'm going to be a grumpy old man still doing this. You know what I'm going to be grumpy about, Colleen? That I'm still doing this Canon podcast. Oh. I'm going to be 70, and I'm like, this damn series won't ever end. <laughs> and Conan never ages. Yep. He's still getting trapped bones, in the little body. Coming brittle. Conan as fresh as can be. It's probably a hologram by then. The detective boys ask the old man where the bottle may have come from, and we don't really hear his answer, but they continue their hunt for. Uh, we notice that Ginta still has the raft on his back, and he has stuff for collecting clams. And that's when Conan spots Shinobu near a cave. They pump the raft with air, and then they row out to get Shinobu. Conan is able to reach her, and it turns out that she's still alive. Hooray, Colleen, nobody's dying this episode. That's good. They ask her what happened, and she says that Casca told her about a secret diving spot that disappears at high tide, took her there, and then she passed out after drinking the juice that he gave her. He then left her there, and she was able to send the SOS before fully passing out. This guy seems like a dick. Yeah, like from the very start. He just was not a nice person. And yeah, he's just, uh, he doesn't get any better. (laughs) No, he doesn't. Like his motive is ridiculous. Cannon says that he must have used sleeping pills on her and was planning on her dying there. She's confused about the whole situation and Cannon's just like, hey, that's what the police are for. They'll figure that out. It doesn't matter. Except there's nobody from the police here. They have to rely on Kogoro. (laughs) That's when the tide starts coming in. They all hop on the raft, but they start getting flung around, and it's quickly punctured by a rock. Uh, They manage to climb on top of some rocks, but they have no way out of the cave now. That's when Conan notices a firefly at the top, and he finds it strange as why there'd be fireflies in a place that floods twice a day. He then says that there must be another exit that they entered through and that they have to use that to escape. Conan also says that it must be a sizable entrance as the parrotfish that Kogoro caught weren't scarred. They uh, they must have swam into the cave when there was a full tide, went through it, and then into Kogoro's fishing spot. As it's not the sea, but you can catch saltwater fish there. So, were you scared for the detective boys, Colleen, in this scenario? Um, honestly, no. Like, if this was their, the big disaster, I was like, yeah, they could probably get through it. You monster. I'm sorry. These poor kids in life and death danger. They had life preservers on. Yeah, they do. Why don't... <laughs> I didn't even put that together. Yeah, this seems much less dangerous now that they have this on. <laughs> See, if they didn't, then yeah, I I would totally be a monster in that scenario. And they could have easily drowned, but they all had life preservers. The biggest danger was Genta not being able to fit through the hole because of his life preserver. Conan and the rest continue walking down the cave, and they see that water is starting to come in. Genta runs to a dead end, and that's when Conan says that they have to take the path that the fireflies are taking. They split up to look for fireflies, and Ayumi spots some. They, ha- uh, they go down, and they quickly find left and right corridors, 
but they don't find any fireflies in either place. That's when Conan throws two rocks and then uses the difference in echoes to figure out which one is a dead end. Because the, the one that is a dead end, Colleen, will echo more. So you're learning important life skills if you're ever trapped in a cave. Yeah, no, it is useful. Is it useful? Is it useful, Colleen? <laughs> you know, How are you going to find yourself in this scenario? Well, I like the beach just as much as the next guy. I like to swim. I could perhaps swim into a cave and then get stuck. You know, or could you could happen. be hanging out with a rich guy that drugs you and leaves you out in the cave to die. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a possible scenario. I, I like my scenario better. Then it just, mm. I can just blame myself for my own stupidity. Well, I say I don't think you're stupid, so you wouldn't wind up in such a scenario. Okay, so you're saying that the only way that I'll find myself in this cave is if a rich guy dumps me there and drugs me. Yep, exactly. How rich are you again, Tyler? Well, for you, Colleen, (laughs) I'm as rich as you want me to be. I'll lie to you as much as as I need to. Yeah, just don't leave me in a cave. Although, I guess you can now because I can get myself out because I know about this echo trick. See, I'm teaching you the skills you need for survival. This is what they call tough love. <laughs> You're giving me the disease and the medicine at the same time. Do people exactly. say that? Yeah, okay. They continue down that path and then start to hear birds that are flying towards the exit. So they start following them. Uh, Ginta then just runs into a rock like a real dumbass. <laughs> like a pro. Yeah, he's like, ow, this hurts. I guess I'll keep on running. And I'm like, why did we even have a scene? I think it's just to laugh again. To... He hasn't done yeah. anything like extremely dumb yet, except maybe... Oh, Car- just wait. Just wait, there's more. There's more. They eventually reach a spot after the birds are gone, and that's when we see Kogoro and Casca dealing with the dozens of birds flying out. That's a pretty funny visual. So the birds, when they fly out, like they look like seagulls but in the cave they were like all lit up so they kind of look like some sort of magical creatures i don't know it, it just magical seagulls magical seagulls ron is packing up when she remembers what conan had said about not keeping her eyes off of this like clearly creep she runs into the old man who's telling her to make sure she takes her trash <laughs> and she asks him where the best fishing spot is make sure you recycle you darn kids. <laughs> and they're flying machines. Then cuts to the detective boys inside the cave. Conan says that he doesn't know which way to go. And that's when the tide starts to enter. They all get swept up. But they manage to kind of stay together and stay on the same path. Conan then remarks that the water is flowing out the other side of the cave. And that's when he spots the exit. However, Ginta's fat ass is too big <laughs> and he gets stuck in the exit. Ganta. He's just so fat. Yeah, and you add like an inch or two of life preserver, then he's not going anywhere. Yeah, Conan manages to rip off his life jacket by using the clam rake he had. And then all the kids and Shinobu come out of the other side and <laughs> they hit Kogoro right in the face here, which is quite funny. so good. Got a 
face full of Genta. Everybody turns out okay, and Conan explains that the pond's water level doesn't keep rising because the water flows into the pond and then flows back out at low tide through an underground waterway. Casca then takes Ayumi hostage and points a gun at her. This was when I finally put it together that this guy really is a dick. You know, being a jerk to his girlfriend, that's one thing. Dragging her and leaving her off for dead, that's another thing. But taking a small child hostage and pointing a gun to her head... Certified dick territory, Colleen. Yeah, so what you're saying is that he was on the outskirts of that territory, but now he's, like, the mayor. Yeah. And why this Ayumi? Like, he could, I would have loved if he took Genta hostage. He could lift him off the Nobody, ground. If he took Genta hostage, then, like, people would be like, okay. Okay. <laughs> Nobody cares that much. Ayumi's, like, lovable. Everybody's like, oh, no. Yeah, but it would have been so much funnier if it were Genta. Conan says that his carefully planned murder will go to waste if he does this, and Shinobu pleads with him, saying that a child has nothing to do with it. She then breaks down in tears, asking why he's doing this. And his reasoning here is quite something. Like, it's really... There's no good reason for this murder. No. No, there is not. He just says that he followed his father's order and agreed to marry a daughter from another rich family, but that he wants to continue being a snobby son. Like, what does what? that mean? What? <laughs> then, <laughs> then break up with the girl, or I don't know. Or if he was, if he were really <laughs> smart, he'd marry her and then, like, divorce, and then they could, like, Whatever. I don't know if he would or get out. I don't but... know. Marry her and sleep around. Like, there's a million ways to be a snobby son without like murdering, <laughs> killing someone. a woman, yeah, and then threatening a small child. Jeez, this guy just uh, should... di- was also super dumb. Like, obviously, he didn't <laughs> think of any other options here. No, his deductive reasoning skill really not top notch. Yeah. yeah, just because he's ten does not make him. Uh, Hattori Heiji in the least. It's true. She says that he's awful, and Kenan bemoans that he only has a rake as a weapon as he isn't wearing his powered-up shoes. The old man then arrives with Ron, and that's when he yells at Koguro and Akasuka for being in an off-limits location. That's when he throws a can at Akasuka. It hits his gun, which misfires... And then Ron runs up, and she yells, I won't forgive a woman's enemy, and kicks him right in the face. Damn what a woman straight. she is, Colleen. That was amazing. I feel like she went into all-time great, like, feminist icon territory here. Yeah. Definitely. What and a it made one-liner. Up for, it, it is a great one-liner. I, I don't know if I remember Ron's one-liners besides this one. Um, and she definitely makes up for her previous mistake of not watching the guy. Have you ever kicked a guy in the face while screaming, I won't forgive a woman's enemy, Colleen? Not yet, but I'm feeling inspired. <laughs> not yet? Uh-oh. <laughs> Ron inspired me. I'll make sure I never wrong you so you don't scream <laughs> that out and smash me in the face. Well, it, you'd have to not wrong like any woman, though, because... Oh, that's true. I won't forgive a woman's enemy. Oh, man. You've got a lot of people to kick in the face, then. Yeah. 
better start practicing. Casca falls into the water and the rest of the detective boys dive in and take him out. They then yell victory to the detective boys as the ending theme begins to play. That was cute. How they like yeah. all pummeled him. Even uh, yeah. Conan, whenever like the detective boys do their thing, I mean, obviously they're kids, so they're going to do it. And then Conan joins in. I'm just thinking, um, if that were like Shinichi in his real body, like he would never do that. <laughs> After the song, we see Casca get arrested. Conan says that the case is slightly bitter, but for a certain person, it was extremely severe. And so this is great because... Before it pans over, you're looking at the his girlfriend, who has been drugged, her like fiancé tried to kill her, and you're thinking, oh, he must be talking about her. But no, he's talking about Kegaro getting ad- lectured for an entire hour by the old man yep. for using this off-limits fishing hole, and Kegaro is just on his knees apologizing the entire time, and then the old man steals all of his fish, Colleen. Kogoro deserves it. He was also fishing while under the influence, which could be very dangerous. I mean, you've got a hook. You don't know where it's going. F-U-I. Yes. (laughs) Honestly, like, all the times I've gone fishing, everybody's there with, like, a cola full of beer. So I don't think I've ever seen people not fishing under the influence. Yeah, I I think you have something there. Like, I I know this one guy who, like... He goes off with his buddies on a fishing trip, but he doesn't fish. So you know, you know what I'm trying to say there. We get the next Conan's hint for uh, the next episode, and it's Elevator. Hmm. I feel like that that's something that's been a hint before, or will be. Well, like... let me check. Oh, is there... Yeah, the power of the internet. Is there like a whole list of... What had, like, uh, repeat Conan hints? That'd be cool. I don't know, but uh, episode 17 was Elevator Girl, which is okay. close. Very close, yeah. Episode 19 was titled An Elevator Murder Case. Mm-hmm. And that leads us to episode 74, which is Elevator. And then, oh, it it is actually a repeat, but it's way in uh, episode 646, oh, which okay. we're not quite at. Yeah, come back 10 years from now. I'll be saying yeah. this. I'll be like, they already used Elevator as a hint. No, no, no. You're going to be like, they already used <laughs> Elevator as a hint. <laughs> Let me get my walker. My walker. <laughs> uh, thank you for uh, making it seem like I will be here still. You're still going to oh, have are me you on not? the show. Are you gonna? Are you going to bounce? You're like, oh, I mean, I'm planning right. to be around. <laughs> I'm gonna see this through. I was gonna say I thought maybe you were you were like, man, I, I'm here for like two weeks max. I'm out of here. <laughs> Another two weeks, yeah. Now, as long as you let me come back, I'll be here, Walker and all. Now, what the hell is this like ending thing about? Because they say, like, Conan says a mystery sniper appears next time. Then a random voice says, I am the mysterious sniper. And another person goes, no, I am the mysterious sniper. And then Kogoro says, no, I am. But there's no sniper in this next episode. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I wonder if it's (laughs) a translation thing. (laughs) 
There's no sniper. There's like a movie that has sniper in the name, but it's not for like years. Yeah. It's nowhere close. They're foreshadowing that movie. Yeah, the 2014 release, Dimensional Sniper. So that's like 17 years later. Oh, gosh. Dimensional Sniper, too. See, I haven't seen the movie, but that sounds really cool. It kind of sounds like a teleporting sniper. Yeah, I don't think it's anything like that. Oh, okay. I think it's just a regular sniper, sadly. Hey, people who work on Detective Conan movies, make a movie about a sniper that teleports. Please and thank you. So what are your overall thoughts on this episode? It's obviously a bit more action than on the mystery side, which kind of gives it a good change of pace since we usually are so all in on mysteries. Uh, I thought the guy really came across as a big asshole, which made him a great villain. And you wanted to see him get his comeuppance. And it was fun seeing Ron kick his ass. I thought that was a memorable scene. And uh, while even, like, not a ton of this was memorable, we did learn some real-life things we can apply, like, when you get left off in a cave by your rich jerk of a boyfriend. But, uh, you know, I I thought there was some good stuff to take away from this, even though it was, like, pretty much, like, a boilerplate uh, filler episode. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. It really felt like just a throwaway episode and, like, an opportunity to put the detective boys and Kogro and Ron in like one episode together. I always like to call those like the world's collide episodes because usually they're separated from each other. Um, But you're right. Like it's more action than mystery. Like I feel like the biggest mystery of the episode was where Kogro's fishing spot was. Like it was almost (laughs) that silly of an, of an episode because although it was okay. I, I know I was like, downplaying the disaster aspect of this episode but there was some real danger here um like ayumi being taken hostage and it just makes you realize like just how much these kids go through throughout the series but they're still like they're not phased by it at all like other yeah kids would like probably if have, it was like, real they would totally have ptsd yeah but these guys are just like no let's go solve more mysteries so <laughs> it's it's kind of like not realistic but again you're watching a tv show so you kind of feel like okay well i guess they're not that traumatized by it so i'm not going to be either we then move on to episode 74 the death god janae murder case this originally aired september 1st 1997 so i was very excited for this after seeing the picture of the death god yeah me too has the skull face on he has these big he's like a skeleton face and then he has long blue hair and he's in a purple cloak he looks pretty cool he's like a dead end yasha yeah yeah and so we were laughing about how he looks like an inuyasha character and i don't know if you uh, remember but there were at least two parts in this episode where janae almost had like a like theme music and it actually sounded like something you'd hear from an Inuyasha episode. It was wicked awesome. Like <laughs> I don't know if I think Inuyasha was maybe already a manga, but I don't know if the anime was out yet. I feel like it started in 2000 or there. Well, did you know that they actually I think Ron and Shinichi appeared in an Inuyasha episode. 
You mean like the voice actors or their actual characters? Uh, like their characters in like a just a background scene. I could be seriously. Making this up. I thought. I hope so. I That'd be so cool. Let's see. Appearances in other media. Yes. Inuyasha. Let me find here. They're in episode 128 of Inuyasha for about one second. Let me, uh. Oh, great. Of course the YouTube video is done. But let me send you a picture of it. Okay. You know what picture. this means, though, Tyler? Like, we're going to have to watch that episode of Inuyasha because there's Detective Conan material in there. I think it means that we have to watch the entire series of Inuyasha for our Patreon. Okay, I am not against that. Oh my gosh, they are. And is that? Kind of looks like the one. Yeah. I'm not sure who the other characters are supposed to be. There's like a guy in like a yellow onesie. And then a guy who looks like a Playmobil. That's really cool. So yeah, and Yashin and the Detective Ken, and they they share a universe. That means they share a universe with uh, Lupin the Third, too. That's true. The extended anime universe. <laughs> That's Ken really and... funny, though, considering that Yashin takes place in like feudal era Japan. <laughs> Yeah, but she goes back in time, the teenage girl. Like she there's that modern day element yeah, to it. That's true. Conan introduces the case. He says, Today we have the case of the Death God Janae, a huge crime with phantom appearances. Was it a huge crime though? It's kind of just like a a small time revenge murder. Kind of just when, like when a, we boil it down. A, a normal crime. Like why make it a huge crime? And a phantom... No, it's a death god. Like, it's a Shinigami that we're talking about. We're not talking about phantoms. Well, that's the other reason I was excited for this, because I'm quite a big fan of Death Note, and that's about a Shinigami. Well, there's one in there, so... Jinei is also a Shinigami. Ah. You know what my only Death Note experience is? It's the Netflix live-action film. Oh, you've been robbed. I thought I mean, it was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, like yeah, I sure. legitimately had a great time watching that movie with friends. Well, that's good. Especially like the very the very like end of that film because they I forget the exact sequence but like they pull off some like fuckery where like I think he dodges a death or something and it's it's like this like triple cross bullshit thing that happens and i just remember loving how stupid it was and all the all the shit that was going down i was i was a big fan despite everybody who actually likes the anime hating it i give it two thumbs up well if you like that and you had a blast watching that then you'll i think you'd enjoy watching actually good material of death note (laughs) (laughs) to start the episode we see a man walking in a creepy doll-filled mansion when the death god janae confronts him he says that he's a corrupt lawyer and then kills him. However, it's just the movie that Ron and Conan are watching. I'd say Kogo is watching as well, but he's <laughs> kind of just there sleeping through the entire film. Now, did you think it was a movie when it first started, like when the episode first started? Or did you think it, that we were actually being brought into the case? 
Ah, uh, see, yeah, I was, uh, I had an open mind because it, it definitely wouldn't be too outlandish for us to like be teased some super elements. Sorry, to be teased some supernatural elements, and then you know we walk back it by learning what actually happened later on. So I wasn't, I wasn't a hundred percent sure of anything, but uh, I liked that it was a film. I thought that was a cool little twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good opening. Colleen, have you ever fallen asleep during a film? <laughs> uh, I probably have. I feel we probably all have at some point. It's either you're watching a movie too late or whatnot. Uh, but no, but like in a theater or something. Oh, in a movie theater. Um, I have. What movie was I watching though? Uh, no, but it wasn't like. Oh, <laughs> oh, this is bad. I okay. I didn't like completely fall asleep but i was dozing off it was so late and i had a long day i was dozing off um during the second guardians of the galaxy oh geez that's one of the marvel films i like too i was yeah it was the part when star lord met his dad and i was like oh i I really need to see this but i just could not keep my eyes open jeez So I actually fell asleep doing another Marvel movie. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Which one? So it was at a drive-in, so I was in my car. So I feel like it's slightly different than being in a theater. But Right, because no one out. saw you. Yeah, I passed out while uh, the very first Avengers film was going on. Oh, okay. See, that's funny that yeah. you, you, you called me out for falling asleep. At a Marvel movie when you did the same thing. I feel like we're even. In my defense, I feel like Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is much better than the first Avengers. But uh, all those films are kind of bloated and overly long for uh, what they really end up being. So I understand feeling tired midway through. Right. That's so cool that there's like you've been to a drive-in. I haven't yet in my oh, life. Well. Yeah, there's there's one near me, so all you have to do is come down to Pennsylvania. I'll take you to the drive-in. We'll have a, <laughs> a fun time. You do realize I I have to like take a plane to do that. <laughs> I mean, I yeah. can drive, but it would take me a few days, probably. Wow. Planes are planes are getting affordable. Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on how much I want to experience a drive-in oh, I, I was hoping you'd say experience a movie with me but let's see how it is <laughs> after the film ron yells at her dad for sleeping through the film after they had won tickets to see the preview screening kegra says that it can't be helped as he was up all night in a business meeting ron doesn't believe that as he was probably off drinking and then they each share their sh- thoughts on the film ron liked it Conan didn't like it. Kegura just slept through it. <laughs> Kegura then says that the series is hackneyed by now, and that's when they spot one of the actors there, Nanjo Hayato. Shortly afterwards, a woman asks Kegura if he's the great detective, and he introduces himself. I, I, I love oh, how... This was awesome. Yeah, he gets really into his introduction and kind of sinks his face in, trying to look good for her. Yeah. It was quite the look. The only thing missing were like roses transposed on, like behind him. I feel like that's like the classic anime 
I was trying to look up other uh, scenes in other anime that did this, where it's just like the guy and his face turns all serious and like, I don't know, classically handsome, but I couldn't find another example. But you know, you've seen it before, right? Yeah, he does it a lot whenever Yoko Okina is involved. That's when he goes the full mile and put on a suit. But uh, when when you're just a an attractive lady and not his beloved, you don't get the full treatment. But he'll he'll still pull out some of the stops for you. Oh my gosh! And then for Ari, it's just like nothing. He's just like you <laughs> witch. It's true. That's true love. When you don't have to put on a fa- a facade uh faca- facade. facade. Yeah, let's yeah. go with facade. Yeah, yeah. We find out that she's Miyuki and that she's the wife of Nanjo. Kegura tells her that he loved the film, which is a complete lie, as he saw none of the film. And as soon as he finds out that this woman is married, he, like, totally goes into goofy cover, like, oh, ha ha, nice to meet you. (laughs) She says that there's a serious matter that she needs his advice on. They then meet in her office and are introduced to Nanjo's manager, Yoshino Satomi. Yoshino shows him a death threat he received. It read... Tonight, I shall claim the life of Nanjo Hayato. And it's signed by none other than the death god Janae, Colleen. Wow. So did you think it was the death god Janae that sent that? It almost sound, It almost seems like a calling card. Like something that, I don't want to spoil it too much, but something like what Kaido Kid does. Yeah, it's, it's very similar to that, but uh, I didn't think it was actually the death god. Oh no? Because I'm a... I'm a master of deductive reasoning, and I figured that death gods don't actually exist. Oh, okay. So, your deductive reasoning led you to think that it was actually a person who wrote that note. Yep. Oh, wow. That just blew my mind. I'm I'm pretty smart, Colleen. I'm not... Oh, I know that. You don't give yourself enough credit. Like, third smart... I'm the smartest on the podcast for a reason. (laughs) That's right. And on this episode, second smartest. I don't know. I think you can be first smartest. No, no, no. The wife says that they found it in the mail tray that morning. And that's when the actor arrives and he tells Mori that they don't need to go to the police as it's nothing more than a joke. He then tells them to please leave him alone. And he tells Yoshino that she can leave for the day as well. When they go outside, they learn that the media has caught wind of the situation and that they're covering it. We then see Kegura really playing it up to the camera when he's interviewed. <laughs> and then afterward, he tells Nanji's wife that everything will be okay. We then introduce to Ono Tadao, who is a television director. He arrives and he tells her that the death god Janae won't actually show up. As he says, it's just a publicity stunt by her husband. She's offended by the notion. And that's when Ron drags Conan to go get a drink. While doing so, they notice the manager sitting in a nearby cafe. Conan wonders what she's doing, and Ron says that it's probably so she can watch the office from there, since she's worried. They note that Ono has vanished and look around, and that's when they spot the Death God Janae in full costume, Colleen. He's there. He's real. I was wrong. <laughs> he wrote the note. I knew it. Kegura chases after him, but he runs off into the nearby woods and run to the front of the building. And the manager says that she saw Janae run into the building. 
Ron keeps Conan from entering, but the rest run up there. And they see that the culprit turns on the light on the seventh floor. Using the elevator, they rush to the floor, but Kagura then trips over a bunch of vinyl tape. <laughs> which is not thoughts. the which is not the Detective Conan hint. That's when the wife Vinyl tape was like the hint a few episodes ago, so I kept thinking yeah. that it was vinyl tape. That was the clue here. That's when the wife finds her husband bloodied and dead. He's dead, Colleen. The death god did it. Yeah, what a shame. That guy was a real treasure. Just like that first guy in the first episode. Oh, this guy was cool. He was, uh, he was an actor, so he's probably rich too. See, we, res- we think... I respect rich people. Right. We think he's cool at this point, but then once we figure out a little bit more about his backstory, then... Yeah, he also had a tan. Maybe, like, the lesson we're learning here is not the mess, not to trust people with tans. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's not good. Like, for, hey, geez. For the record, Colleen. Yeah. I was going to say I'm pale, but I'm actually not. I'm, I'm like, pretty naturally tanned. Oh, okay. so, oh shit! Maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you shouldn't <laughs> trust me. I think I'm. Damn! I shouldn't have said anything. No. Oh, jeez! What am I supposed to think now? You were telling me all that stuff about how to get out of a cave, coming to see a drive-in movie. You're ten. You know, there's exceptions that make every rule. You know, Hitori Heiji, a good guy, also tanned. Maybe I'm just like him. Well, he was a jerk when we first met him. So, I mean, he gets better, but... Yeah, it's just like me. You were like, he's this Tyler guy. He's a dick. But now now you're slowly coming around. Maybe. <laughs> Are you? That never happened. I mean, the, the, the first part of what you said. Uh, you, what, you never came around on me? <laughs> <laughs> I meant I never thought you were a jerk. Hmm. I'm not so sure. I was like, oh, like back when I was just listening to you guys, I'm like, oh, that Tyler, he's so funny. Ha ha ha. What a laugh. Wow. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's how I laugh. <laughs> I'm listening to a podcast. Ha ha ha. Go far. Go oh, far. Jolly good show. Jolly, jolly good show. Good. Crumpets, anyone? <laughs> wow. Very sophisticated listener. Yes, just listening with my afternoon tea. Kagura then tells Inspector Meguri that all the windows are locked from the inside and do not open, and that the murderer seemingly disappeared. They're sure that nobody left the building as Ron and the reporter stayed outside. Conan then says it's strange that the murderer was standing next to the window when the light came on as the light switch is on the other wall. Meguri then questions the tape. Kegura says that it might have been to trip up anybody coming to the rescue, even though he was the only one that tripped yeah. on it. Oh my gosh, and that was a line spoken by one of the the camera guys or camera crew. Yeah. Whatever. It was the best. <laughs> Conan checks the fax machine and he finds a message from Hori Momoko asking Nanjo to check a script. It was sent just three minutes past ten, right before Nanjo was killed. Kegura bops Conan on the head. And he tells him not to mess with the crime scene. And that's when the manager says that it was the script for an interview that will be published next week in a magazine. The police then bring Ono in, saying that he was loitering around the building. The wife accuses him of killing her husband. 
and she yells out that he's misunderstanding the accident three years ago and that he resents her husband. Hmm, backstory. Yes, backstory. We've reached that portion of the episode. Ano calls that ridiculous, and he explains that he used to be a movie director until an accident occurred three years ago while filming a Death God Janae film. The stuntman that they booked didn't arrive, and Nanjo insisted on doing it without a stuntman. He then convinced a young actor named Kitano Hiroyuki to do it, and his car did a barrel roll, like the Star Fox meme, except instead of like Peppy like uh, congratulating him, his car caught on fire and he died. Dang. Rough go. <laughs> Rough day at the office. Truly. Ono took responsibility for it and lost his job as a result. He says that he detests Nanje for it, but his manager hates him more because she was Katana's girlfriend. Oh, snap. Whoa. We got some drama. Didn't see that coming, but I totally did. The manager admits that uh, is true, and she says that she was an unknown actress at the time. However, she says that she has no grudge. I somehow doubt that. Yeah, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, like this <laughs> seems like the part in the episode where we learned that everybody hated the guy that died. The only thing that was missing was like his wife saying there was an affair or something. Right. That I mean, that's kind of what put her in the innocent zone. Because she didn't say anything about it. Like, she genuinely looked like she was surprised and shocked and distraught. So I was like, okay, it's probably not her. The cameraman then says that he has footage of Janae in the park, and they go to fetch video equipment and see it. However, they then hear a noise from the floor below. A gunshot. That's when they find the manager on the floor, and she says that she saw the death god, and that he shot at her before escaping through the emergency exit. Conan finds this odd, as there'd be no reason to shoot at an unarmed woman. Because, you know, she's very small, and she wasn't going to stop a death god. I don't know. You don't mess with women's enemies. That's true. The video is finally ready and they view the footage from the park. That's when Conan notes a stray cassette tape that hasn't been rewound. The manager then takes it from Conan and tells him not to touch it. Conan remarks that he's seen through the trick, but he still doesn't have enough evidence. He then remembers the facts and he goes to run back upstairs to look at it. Kogoro follows him, and that's when Conan knocks him out. Who did you think the culprit was going to be, Colleen? Did you have any guesses? Yeah, pretty early on I thought it would be the manager. Like, it becomes a little bit more evident as the episode goes on, but for some reason I thought it was the manager. Because really, we had kind of three people to choose from, right? The manager, the wife, and the other, the director, basically. But my feeling was towards the manager. How about you? Yeah, you know, last episode we had a a guy shockingly commit the crime. So I figured it had to be a woman. (laughs) Shockingly. Yeah, you're like, they they... need to even things out now. Yeah, I was like, well, it has to shift back towards all women being evil. So obviously a woman did the crime. Right, after that great feminist moment by Ron, (laughs) we we need a woman killer again. Exactly. Kogoro calls Meguri and tells him that the murderer didn't disappear as they weren't there to begin with. In fact, when they arrived at the front of the building, Nanjo was already dead. He says that the shadow was a trick done by the murderer, and he tells everybody to gather on the seventh floor and to bring some vinyl tape and fishing line with them. 
Kegaro explains that after killing Nanjo, they turned off the lights and stuck vinyl tape to the bottom of the window pane in a zigzag pattern that looked like a person. They then fastened the fishing line in the gap between the top of the elevator and the external doors, brought it into the room, and then made a loop around the light switch. They then took the line to the window, tied it, and tied it to the vinyl tape. Once somebody called the elevator, then the lights would turn on and people would see the shadow that was then unwrapped and pulled by the fishing line. Meanwhile, the gunshot was a recording from the cassette. The murderer's actual gun was silenced. They also created a 15-minute silence at the beginning, donned the costume in the park, and lured them to the front of the building. They then joined with the rest of them and created an alibi by being in the group. The killer is none other than the manager, Satomi. Be shocked. Damn straight. And, okay, I don't want to necessarily, like, do this battle of the sexist thing, but this is a much cooler and interesting trick than what the previous guy did. He's like, oh, I'm just going to drug her and leave her in a cave. She came up with a whole pattern zigzag thing and i didn't even realize that if you did that it would actually look like someone was squatting down like that that was really cool and the whole elevator yeah i feel like this kind of goes into i i feel like it is a battle of the sexes because men are morons calling we're not smart enough to do these elaborate kills and conan focuses in on you know these grand tricks and such and who's the smartest on this podcast it's you you're the one, only one that can come up with these types <laughs> of murders here. I see what you're saying. I'd be too dumb. Yeah. So, you know, because if this show was just about, like, the murders that men do, it'd just be like, this guy shot a dude. <laughs> like, there's no mystery. Yeah. It's just somebody shot another dude or they stabbed them. Yeah, but... or they beat him up or, you know, very simple stuff. Yeah, women don't have the uh, the physical strength in all cases. Right. Obviously, Ron's an exception. Um, so they have to use all these tricks and such to get the job done. So I think that's why right. it skews towards to, women being the villain. We have to use our brain power to come up with yeah, these maybe, tricks. Maybe, you know, Gesho Oyama isn't sexist after all. And it's just that he come to, he came to the, he's just using facts. He knows that women are smarter and they're coming up with all these magnis, magnificent ways of killing people. Yeah. And now that I think about it, when you mention how Ron's like an exception to the physical strength rule, I'm like thinking of all the other uh, female characters, ones that we haven't met yet, and like let's say Aerie, all of them are some sort of masters of some sort of martial art. Like I'm thinking Aerie, Kazuha, um, uh, what's her name? Saito? Saito? The police woman? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a badass. So all of them know how to fight. Women, except for uh, Sherry, she doesn't know how to fight. No, she yeah, she knows how to make sciencey stuff. Yeah, and be depressed. (laughs) Yes, yes, indeed. Kogura explains that the second gunshot wasn't planned and only occurred because the auto reverse mode on the stereo was on. After the sixty-minute tape ended, it was played again. She had gone downstairs to retrieve the fishing line when she heard the gunshot, and that's when she made up the encounter with Janae. She asked Kogura for evidence, and he points the police to the fax machine, saying there's one page with bloodstains. That fax points out the actual time that Nanjo was killed, 9.59. 
They heard the gunshot at 10.15, and he says that the cassette she took from Conan must have the gunshot on it. Damn, she's she's pretty guilty. She then admits to the crime and says that it was revenge for Nanjo killing Hiroyuki. Ono says that it was an accident, but she found Hiroyuki's diary and found out that he was meant to be the second Death God Janae, replacing Nanjo. She then joined Nanjo's office to find out the truth, and he drunkenly boasted about Hiroyuki's death one day. He revealed, he said, I told a lie to the stuntman so he wouldn't come into filming that day. He was going to snatch my role. A stupid thing for a rookie to do. He then showed her a bolt for the uh, supporting the front wheel of a car, which he called his lucky charm, and he had removed it from the stunt so that he really did lead to the death of him. She then says that uh, she sent the death threat so that mass media would cover it, and Nanjo joined in as soon as she said it could be a publicity stunt. So, Ono was correct this entire time. Yeah. Oh no. Believe men. Oh no. I like I like his name. Oh no. There is a professional wrestler named Cassius Ono. Oh. Cassius. And his, yeah, his uh, initials are KO. Like a knockout. Oh, that's cool. I do you think his parents did that on purpose? They're like, We have set your fate. You need to be a wrestler. Yeah, I don't think uh I don't think I don't think they gave him his wrestling name at birth. Oh, that's his wrestling name, okay. Yeah. That was his real name. No. It's fake. it's a fake name. Oh. Oh. Like very very few wrestlers go by their real names. Oh, okay. Cuz they're usually like John Smith or something. What the real names? I don't know. Are they John... <laughs> What a terrible name John Smith would be. <laughs> John Smith, and the, the big bad wrestler, John Smith. Yeah, like I'm imagining you thinking like Macho Man Randy Savage, like that's his legal name. That was like his mom gave him. I'm gonna call him the Macho Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! If not your mom, then who would call you a Macho Man? That's true. That's very true. So, uh, Nanjo kind of sucked. Yeah, he wasn't great after all. It's the ten. Yeah, I'm starting to think. I'm starting to think all men suck and all women are murderers. <laughs> There's not much left. Like, I don't even blame the women at this point. Like, yeah, they're all murderers, but the men kind of had it coming. Right. See, they push the women to do these things. That's true. We're pushing you to the edge, Colleen. <laughs> Please don't murder your co-host. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, there are elevators oh. in Pennsylvania, right? Yeah, I'll have to behave. <laughs> I think you're good. After the ending song, we see the manager get arrested. She says that the great detective wound up defeating Janae, and Kegaro boasts that in his dictionary, there is no word for unsolved. <laughs> what a bad and joke. <laughs> Conan's just annoyingly there, and he's like, and who makes that possible, huh? Exactly. Uh, and then Kogoro does his tongue laugh thing. Ah. <laughs> Colleen, are you ready for the next canon tent? Oh, lay it on me. This is a doozy. Toilet. Wow. Or if you pronounce it the Japanese way, it's like toilet. <laughs> oh, that sounded Italian. It's a toilet. 
It's oh, a... I ate too much. Of, I ate too much of pizza. I gotta go visit the toilet. It's, it's a me toilet. <laughs> Super toilet brothers. Yeah. Aw. Right. Oh, I'm always cute about that. <laughs> well, instead of I'm just picturing like instead of going down a pipe, they go down the toilet bowl. The ending gag is uh, Conan saying, next time this will be really difficult too. He smells suspicious. And then a guy just randomly butts in and he goes, oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, is that part of the toilet joke? Yeah, I think, I think he was he was making a stinky poo. Oh. He was having trouble. A little, a little poo humor. But the next episode will be an exciting one for the podcast, as we'll not only do the Pooh episode, <laughs> which is called the Lone Company President's Murder Case, but also the Conan vs. Kaido Kid one-hour special. Yay! So we'll get to see Kaido Kid there. Finally. Uh, but before we move on, what did you think of the Death Gods name murder case, Colleen? Um, I... I like this episode. I liked it more than the first one, that's for sure. Uh, however, I do have, like, there are a bunch of holes in this episode that I was complaining about, even despite liking it so much. Like, just the fact that the manager bothered getting revenge and killing him, like, as soon as he confessed to her and showed her the bolt, like, she could have just gone to the police. Like, I'm sure the statute of limitations wasn't up yet. I don't think, I don't know if there is one for murder in Japan anymore, but like, why did, I mean, I guess she wanted revenge, like, to, and just get it personally, but I think it would have been more effective if she went the, uh, legal route. Yeah, probably would have been more effective, but then we don't have a, uh, Detective Conan case. Right. Yeah, and then we couldn't see the Death God Janae doing, like, flips in the air and somersaults. <laughs> Yeah, I thought, like, getting to see him, like, a kind of, like, movie film character come to life was a cool thing. And I think we see it in the future here oh. in another episode. They have, like, a, a case where, not this exact character, but they have, like, a, where they're filming a movie and a death occurs. Oh, okay. So, we'll get to see some stuff like that. Although, I did find out that we get to see Nanjo again in a future case as he appears in a on a poster. Right. So. so obviously that fan did not get the memo. Yeah, they didn't understand that he had been canceled. Yeah, he was canceled. I also thought that this would be a great episode to show like a Gen uh, Z uh, person, like someone, because there's like references to fax machines and like cassettes, <laughs> rewinding things, like so they would totally not understand what was going on. I feel like Nanjo is in the category of problematic faves. Yeah. Probably. And, okay, the other thing is, so the the problem with the trick was that, well, it wasn't even like a mis- well, I don't know how to describe it. The video cassette player was set to auto- whatever it was, auto loop back. Yeah, auto rewind. Auto rewind. Yeah. So the the manager didn't even realize it at the time. So like, if that didn't happen, would she have gotten away with this? Do you think? Well, you know, Conan's full of those little scenarios where 
something goes odd and that leads to Conan figuring it out. I think it was a matter of time though. I'm sure Conan would have figured it out some other way. He's a he's a smart cookie. Yeah. If he were on this podcast, he would be the smartest. Even just as kid uh, Conan. I don't know. I feel like you'd still edge him out. He doesn't know really? as many languages as you do. Well, he does speak English. So I'll give him that. Not well. We've I've heard Detective Ken in English. It's not good. Even like the even the characters from like America yeah. do not speak English well in Detective Ken. Oh, what what was oh what's that like line? The secret Jody? woman. Yeah, a woman. No. Oh my god. Oh gosh. A secret makes a woman, woman. Or if you're saying it Detective Conan style, a secret makes a woman, woman. <laughs> <laughs> i can't even do it as bad as they do <laughs> oh man it is like so bad because i was watching the episode where like the cia gets introduced and we they have the obviously the female woman and she's from america and like she's supposed to be an english teacher in japan yeah and like she can't speak english yeah, i know <laughs> She's like, oh, I'm from... No, I, I can't even do it. I'm just sounding like racist. <laughs> but it's very bad. It is. Like, couldn't they just get actual foreigners to do the English Although, part? You know, in the, the new film, they finally had some like convincing English. Okay. So I'm looking forward to so that. Movie 24, so like a movie that came out in 2018, they finally figured out how to do English the right way. It took a while. Yeah. Maybe they didn't have the budget in 1990. Well, wait, Jody comes in at like, I don't know what year it would have been. Maybe yeah, 2000? Like 2000 yeah. or something. So. Yeah, it's like 2001. We have so. that to look forward to. Yay. We do. We have a lot of bad English <laughs> in the future. And uh, yeah, so Colleen, you still haven't made a Twitter for your dogs? Nope. My, your my, dog, my dog and my cat? Nope. So that means you can't follow her on Twitter, but you can harass me at Tyler Trees. You can also follow the show account at case underscore reopened. And, uh, you know, the Spotify wrapped thing was going on recently. So a lot of people are talking about that. I wonder, I don't even know if you can post reviews on Spotify. Let me find this out. I don't think so. I don't want to tell people to review and they can't. See, I've been listening to the podcast on Spotify, and I haven't left a review. Ah. Just some insight. That's the problem. That's the problem. Yeah, you can't. You can't leave reviews there. All right. But if you listen on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever, if you could leave a review for us, that would help a ton. Or you can be a dirty Spotify listener and not help <laughs> out. any Like me. Yeah, so you can either be Colleen or you can be a a cool guy. <laughs> but yeah, we appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, yes, very much. Highlight of our week is doing this podcast. And it's so really fun, fun getting to interact with people on Twitter occasionally. So that's always fun. I love getting uh, messages from you guys. And uh, we'll be back next week. Kaido Kid, Colleen. Yep, tell your friends. Kaido Kid enters. It's awesome. I can't wait.
You, you sound try- like non-enthused. I'm really trying to suppress it, though, because I feel like I've already told the world that I'm excited for Kaido Kid like multiple times. So they're like, okay, we get it. She likes Kaido Kid, like everybody else on the planet. Indeed. Uh, so we'll be back next week. Uh, Kyle and Justin should be here as well. So they're they're not dead yet. Yet. What? What? Do you know something, Tyler? Uh, no comment. Uh, we'll be back. Bye. Bye. And remember, one truth always prevails.